Well, good morning, Faith Church. <clears throat> I am Michelle Fisher. I'm the prayer pastor here at Faith Church, and I am so excited and honored to be the uh, speaker today, to be able to be the one that gets to speak with you on Mission Sunday, because I love Mission Sunday. I'm really passionate about missions, and just this last um, March, uh, first week of April or so, I was privileged to go on my first missions trip with Faith Church. We went to the Victory Center in Morelia, Mexico that you heard Erica speak about. And it was a great time. I went with a great team from, from Faith Church. We had great experiences. I want to go on the record right now for saying that if you heard of any of my mishaps or any of my embarrassing situations or experiences there, Number one, don't believe everything Pastor Evan says about it. <laughs> Two, in my defense, the only foreign language I ever studied was French, and so some, for some reason my brain would just start to speak French, and I know I was in Mexico, it would just happen. <laughs> so I just want, the, I want to clear that up right now. The rest of it you can filter through me. There's some truth, some, a lot of error in what Evan says. So, <laughs> Anyways... It was an amazing time. It really was. It just ignited my, um, my love, my passion to see what God is doing all over the world. Um, but I will tell you that, in, that along with the joy and along with the um, grace sightings that we saw, there was some fear and there was some anxiety for me personally, for some of these others on the team, but I'm going to talk to you today about my experience with this. And that fear is what I want to talk about today. It's what I just want to call out and just, uh, just expound on what God says about that and how he deals with that. Um, because missions is so, I don't know, so close to my heart. I actually love Mission Sunday the most of all the Sundays. I love the other big two, Christmas and Easter, are, are favorites of mine also, but honestly, Mission Sunday is my favorite. We have a rhythm here at Faith Church that typically the last Sunday of June is always Mission Sunday, and I look forward to that the most um, of all the different you know, holidays or special services we have, because I believe that there's just something about seeing what God is doing globally that just fills you up. It just, something about knowing that um, that God has this plan, and it's a big plan, and it's not just about me and mine and my little corner of the world, which is what I can get trapped into, that the Bible doesn't say, for God so loved the United States of America. It says he, for, he so loved the whole world that he gave us his son. And I need this reminder. I need a Sunday that's set apart that just reminds me that it's not just about what we have here, it's all over. So I'm just going to ask you if you'll pray with me real quickly before we get started. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your presence here. I pray that today that we see Jesus more clearly than we ever have before, that we see your heart of love that is for us and that it's also for every single person on this planet that you have created in your image and given your son for. Lord, give us that revelation today and I thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so I want to spend some of my time right up front talking about the why behind missions. Because those of us who are Christ followers, we recognize that, for the most part, missions has two components. There's the why, that intangible uh, part of missions that 
we can really just be summed up in the fact that the why behind it is that Jesus told us to. We call it the Great Commission, but Jesus said right before he went back to be with the Father, after he raised from the dead, he told us, just go into all the world and preach the gospel. This is the good news. So the, so the why can be summed up in the fact that Jesus told us to. The second component is the, the what, that more tangible side, um, the doing part of it. And I, um, one of the most gripping statements that Jesus made in the New Testament for me is found in Matthew 25. It's right before he, um, it's right, actually, no, he's talking about his second coming, and he's talking to all his disciples, and it's close to him going to the cross. And he says this, and he's talking about himself here. He says, then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father. All of us who have accepted Jesus, this is who he's talking about right here. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes, you clothed me. I was sick, you looked after me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the scripture goes on to say that the righteous... The, the righteous people looked at him. They're truly puzzled. They look at him and they're just like, Jesus, when did we ever see you needing clothes? When did we ever see you hungry? He's the one that fed the 5,000. When did we ever see you sick and visit you or in prison and, and come visit you then? And Jesus says to them this beautiful truth right here. Truly I tell you, Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And I don't know about you, but there's something about that statement that Jesus makes there, that teaching that just grips me. I want to do I, the, all the stuff that we saw here this morning that, um, that Erica and Pastor Kirk shared with us. I want to be a part of that. I want to do these things. And that includes, that these physical things include the, the trips, the financial support, the building churches and schools and clinics and meeting those practical needs. And I also just want to take a minute and acknowledge that there might be someone here today, several of you, who are not Christ followers. And you're here today and something's being stirred up inside of you and you are feeling like, you know what? I believe, I, I believe that I want to help alleviate suffering in our world. I want to be a part of that, even though I don't necessarily believe in the why. I believe in the, the what. Can I just tell you that I believe that that's the Holy Spirit that's on the inside of you, that's calling you towards that. And we want to, uh, we're excited that you feel that way. And we also want to let you know that at the end of our service, you're going to be given direct steps on how you can sign up to be a part of that, um, the what part there of doing something. But for our time right now, I want to look a little bit more at the why. Um, the why of missions, because I believe that it's really important for us to know a couple things. One, that there's an enemy. Um, we need to just have our radar up and know that there's an enemy, and he is working overtime, in my opinion, to destroy the world. He's working overtime to wipe out the name of Jesus 
and every ounce of hope that comes from having a relationship with him. That's what he's doing. And the second thing that uh, I believe that we need to know and to really anchor ourselves into is that Jesus has already secured our victory in this. He already went to the cross and secured our victory. So yeah, we have an enemy who's working hard, but we also have a savior, the king, who has secured our victory. And there's some keys in scripture that tell us how to step out in faith, how to defeat the enemy, to overcome, to successfully, and for our, you know, for our purposes here, to successfully do missions um, and spread the good news of who Jesus is all over the world. And so I want to just uh, give you a little insight into where I was back in March before we went on this missions trip. I was in a season, and I'm praying that these seasons come a lot less often, but I was in a season at that point of being just like really overcommitted. <laughs> this is like kind of just something I seem to do all the time, but just overcommitted, feeling stressed, feeling busy, feeling kind of depleted and run down emotionally and even a little bit uh, spiritually, to tell you the truth, and started getting that feeling like, I, I don't even know if I should be going on this trip. I don't even know if I'm going to be that valuable, that useful. I don't feel like I'm even strong enough to do, you know, a, a really good job. And I went to God's Word, which is something that I would always encourage you to do when you are sensing that, that attack from the enemy. And for whatever reason, I'm sure it was the Holy Spirit just directing me this way. And I didn't know I was going to be preaching on it at the time. I'm using it now. But at that time... I just opened up and I was reading in Revelation in the 12th chapter. And I read, this, um, I read this scripture right here from Revelation 12. And it says, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. And this verse just kind of stayed with me. It just, I kept reading it over and over, and I would come back and look at it the next day and reading it over and over. And that word overcame jumped out at me because I want to overcome. And I recognize that we're in battles on lots of fronts, not just in the missions uh, you know, arena, but in our personal lives, in our families, in our churches. You know, there's, we just have a lot of different battles going on, and I want to overcome. And I also know that, guess what? My father wants that too. It's the whole reason that he gave us Jesus. It's the whole reason he sent Jesus. It's the whole reason we do missions, to go out there and just to proclaim his name. And I think that the enemy likes to make us feel sometimes that, you know, it's not that God didn't send Jesus because he was just like, oh my word, are you kidding me? I'm so disgusted with all the sin on this earth. I'm so irritated with all these people. Fine, whatever, let me just pull out the big guns and send Jesus. That is not, that is not what the Bible tells us. And the enemy makes us kind of feel like that. It, it, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says that he so loved the world that he gave his son. And that hundreds of other scriptures that let us know that it, the Father's heart is all about restoration. It's all about lost sons and daughters all over this world being reunited, being restored with him. It's about having that relationship with him. That's why he sent Jesus to the world, 
to take away our sin. And that's the gospel that we're committed and commissioned to go out and to spread. And when I studied this, I realized that they are those of us who have accepted Jesus. That 2,000 years ago when Jesus went to the cross and paid for our sin, when we accept that, we're made right with God. That's the they who overcame. And the him there is the enemy. The, the one that comes after us to try to, to take us out. And to really unpack this verse a little bit more, we need to just jump up two verses. And it says here in verse 9, And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old who's called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. I want you to notice there what he does. He deceives the whole world. The enemy's agenda concerning the world is to deceive. Um, we have a little window here into how the enemy works. He works to convince people that he doesn't exist. He works to convince people that there isn't just one true God, that Jesus isn't the only way to the Father. And if none of that works, then he works to deceive the world into thinking that every ounce of suffering, calamity, and disaster that the enemy brings is God's fault, and to keep people blaming and looking at God when he's all the time in the background causing that. That's, that's how he deceives the world. Um, and then also, like I was saying, that God's actually mad, judgmental, or angry. Let's keep reading in verse 10 here. It says, And then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of, Christ, of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. Let the, let the truth of that just sink into your spirit right there. We can see from this, he's the accuser of the brethren, he's accusing us before God day and night. And we can see that his, agen his agenda concerning the believer is to accuse. And I started looking at that thinking, what is it that this enemy is going to accuse those of us who are right with God, right? You've accepted Jesus, we're right with God. The Bible says that we've been made his righteousness. What does he accuse us of before our God? And um, I started coming up with a pretty good list. He, does, he accuses us of lots of things, right? I'm not good enough. I haven't really been forgiven. I've blown it again as a spouse, as a parent. Holy cow, right? A whole message on that. As a parent, as a friend. God's, God's tired of me. He's disappointed. I've that same issue over and over and over again. I keep asking for his forgiveness and help, and, and he's tired of rescuing me. My past is always going to define me. That voice of condemnation that's accusing us, I, look, what the, look what the Bible says there. It's day and night. And I know for me that, that when I get into those seasons, it can be day and night. And here at Faith Church, we have um, the ministry that I'm privileged to lead, the transformational prayer ministry, has um, one of the components of it is individualized prayer sessions. And we've had probably about 80 of them since we started this, and 
they're all different. Every single one is different, but they all have one common thread, and that's the same voice of condemnation, the same voice that keeps pressuring people that they're not good enough, they can't get out, they can't get free. And that voice comes along, and if you listen to it <laughs> long enough, you start believing it. And when you start believing it, you can actually start to partner with that voice because you just believe it. It becomes your truth. And when that happens, the enemy, the enemy starts to win because we get paralyzed then. We become silent. We become ineffective. And that's really what was happening to me. In hindsight, looking back on it, before I was going there, I was that, that paralyzing. I was hearing that accusing voice. And what it was saying to me was that you're so busy, you haven't had enough time, enough quiet times with God. You haven't been praying enough. You haven't been reading enough. You're going to go there. These people are expecting you to come and to pray over them, to teach them on prayer in their church. And you don't even have enough to be strong yourself right now. You're going to disappoint them, was really what I kept hearing. You're not, um, they're not going to get that much out of it. And on the one hand, I definitely knew that that was a lie. That's my whole ministry. I knew that that was a lie. But on the other hand, I know me. <laughs> So there's that little thing like, yeah, but a lot of this is what that's happening is true. There's some truth there. And um, that was that battle that was going on for me. And when I look at this verse, when I looked back at this verse in God, I know that the Holy Spirit brought to me, I started to see three powerful truths from it that really helped me to just get some freedom in this area. The first one is that we overcome, because don't forget we're talking about how do we overcome. We overcome the evil one because of the blood of the Lamb. His victory over sin and darkness at the cross is our victory. So Jesus' victory is now my victory. There's a lot of truth in just knowing that, that Jesus, what he did at the cross by shedding his blood, makes me victorious. And the second thing that we see here is that we overcome by our own testimony of who Jesus is. Our own words of who Jesus is and what he's done for us have the most weight over anything else. Because the enemy will come and say, well, you know, you don't, have, you don't know enough theology to be a good witness. You don't know how to answer all these questions. And can I tell you that that same voice comes to me and I'm a pastor. But how about your own testimony? Who can argue with your own testimony of what Jesus has done for me personally, who he is to me personally, has so much weight that the enemy knows that and he seeks to quiet out your own testimony. And we overcome by the words of our testimony. And the third one is probably, at least for me, can be the hardest. We overcome through surrender. We overcome by getting up every single day and saying, it's not about me. It's about you, Jesus. It's not about me. Because remember the, that verse, the first one we started there was that, we over, that um, they did not love their life even when faced with death. And I think that, um, I think that for me, when I saw that, they did not love their life even when faced with death, that 
It's easy for me to jump forward and to think like, oh yeah, that's talking about all the missionaries and the Christians and the nations of this world that are intolerant to Christianity, where people are literally giving up their lives and being martyred for speaking about Jesus, for witnessing, for believing. That's what that verse means. That's for those you know, awesome people that are doing that. But what God showed me is that if there's a broader meaning to this. There's a broader sense to not loving my own life. And it can come, and it can come from just, um, just denying ourselves comfort, going on that missions trip, putting yourself outside the comfort zone, uh, eating things that you don't really like to do, to eat. Or um, I know some of, the, some of the people on our missions trip that we went on, they were going to go paintballing with all the teenagers and the kids. And I thought that was going to be great. I was going to the church to do prayer stuff, so I was safe. <laughs> but um, I, like some of the younger girls, you know, that were in their 20s, a couple of them said to me, you know what? I'm actually kind of nervous to do this. I'm not really sure I even want to go paintballing with all these kids, but I'm going to because of the relationship. That's part of that. That's part of that not loving your own life, denying it. But I think there's another level here. Um, because where it really costs me personally, where I'm really put to the test to see if I'm going to obey God, to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit, to push past my fear, to step out into faith, is when I say I'm going to deny, I'm not going to love my own reputation. I'm not going to love how I look to people. I'm not going to... Um, I'm not going to just play it safe. I'm going to actually step out, and maybe I'm going to fail. Maybe I'm not going to have the right words to say. Maybe what I'm going to do is going to fall flat, and I'm not going to be as polished and as you know, inspiring as I want to be. And I hear Jesus saying to me, are you going to trust me and just do it anyway and trust that I'm going to show up and give you what you need in the moment? And even if you don't think you're getting what you need in the moment, I'm going to trust and see that the people who are hearing you, that you're praying over, are going to get what they need because it's not about me. Every day, God keeps saying, Michelle, it's not about you. You just keep doing what I'm calling you to do. Sometimes you're going to feel it. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes it's gonna, you're going to get the feedback you, you want. Sometimes you're not. It's not about that. It's about just going forward and getting that bigger picture that I don't love my own life, even when I'm faced with death, death to my own pride, death to my own reputation and how I look. And because remember, we're talking about how do we, how do we push past the enemy? How do we overcome? I'm tired of just defending my ground. I want to take some ground back from the enemy, and that's what we're talking about today. And because there's that little voice inside that can just come along and, and just mock you. And where I see the rubber meeting the road, because it can happen on the mission field, it did happen on the mission field for me just in that little short week, but where I really feel the rubber meeting the road is like when I'm in the, when I'm in the grocery store or when I'm in the school hallways or when I'm in the marketplace somewhere and someone runs into me and they start unburdening themselves and telling me these, something, this heartache, and I hear the Holy Spirit inside saying, don't just tell them you're going to pray for them. <laughs> pray for them right now, in the aisle, at Myers. And uh, the voice that I hear is, you're going to look crazy. 
You're going to bother people. You're going to turn people off to God. You really shouldn't do this right now. You're not going to be a good witness. But I hear the Holy Spirit saying, do it right now. And I just say, can I pray for you right now? And I've never, ever had anyone say no. In fact, they usually just lean in and say yes. And I just start praying out loud in the marketplace. And... Um, and the Holy Spirit shows up and ministers in that moment. And that's where I'm denying myself. That's where I'm not loving my own life, even when faced to the death of my own pride. Because don't forget, Jesus says, we're to go into all the world and to preach the good news, the gospel of who he is everywhere. And I, I love a story that I heard here a few years ago. Pastor Kirk and his wife Emily went to Sierra Leone to visit our partnership and they were sharing with me the story when they got back of Pastor Kirk, according to him, he preached, and I quote, an incredible message. And um, <laughs> his words, when he got done, the people there, because they're so interactive, they just got up and they came forward to have people to, to be prayed over. And Emily was with him and nobody came and got in Kirk's line. Everybody got into Emily's line. <laughs> And she shared with me that gut feeling of fear that came because the enemy was telling her, you've never done. Because what they wanted her to do was individually stand, lay hands on them, pray for them. The next, that one goes, the next one walks up, pray, lay hands. And she's looking at this long line. And in her mind, I've never done that before. I don't know how to do that. I'm not the right person. Why aren't they seeing Kirk? But that wasn't God's plan. God's plan was for her to do that. And she had a split second. She could have made an excuse, you know, not made eye contact, bowed out. But she didn't. She chose to deny herself. She chose to love not her own life, even when faced with death. And she went ahead and started praying. And I'm glad she did, because when I heard that story, it inspired me. And I just believe that that's God's message to us right now. It's to start looking for those little ways, that little voice when you're in the store, when you're on the you know, your marketplace somewhere. Maybe God's calling you just to step out and go on one of these missions trips and see what he's going to do, but to push past that voice that says, it's not you. You'll be ineffective. It's not going to work. That's a lie. It's not about what I do. It's about what he does. And I am so thankful for this last verse that says now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser that one that's putting those voices in your head all the time has been of our brethren has been thrown down I believe that this is how the church is supposed to work we're supposed to be reaching out and being the hands and the feet of Jesus not waiting until we feel like we're ready. Not waiting till you feel like you got all your ducks in a row and everything's just lined up and okay, now I'm ready. Stop waiting for that. That will never happen, right? That will never happen. It's not about perfection. It's about trust and it's about obedience. Trusting him to be faithful, to show up and do what he's promised he'll do and you're just going to be available. It's us being willing to live to give so others will know Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for this group of people.
Father, I pray that right now, Lord, that right now your voice will speak to us, that you will call us, Lord, to whatever way that we're supposed to partner, whatever way we're supposed to participate with your gospel message going out into all the world. Lord, speak to every single one of us individually. Call us. Lord, I pray that you'll give us such a revelation of your eyes full of love, of your power, and of your might. Lord God, that we'll know that you are in us. You are Christ in us. You are the hope of glory. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Lord, help us. We need your help to know that it's not about us. We're so tempted to think that it is. Lord, give us that rest and that peace that just comes from surrendering all of it to you. I thank you for it, and we are believing for great and mighty things in Jesus' name. Amen.